You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Two Cents. After Thanksgiving here, you're now hopefully full of uh, turkey. Turkey, yes. Uh, Beer, maybe? (laughs) A couple couple of beer, wine? I'm eating a piece of chocolate right now. Well, yeah, speaking of of, uh, full and food, one of our coworkers here walked in this morning with little uh, Christmas Chex Mix goodie bags. Mm -hmm. It was very nice of him. I pulled the kisses, the chocolate kisses (laughs) out of them and gobbling them down. It's uh, it's actually funny you mentioned that because I was just reading this morning, people are very upset that the Hershey's Kisses company, uh, Hershey, of course, they uh, there's a jingle commercial about uh, "Wish You a Merry Christmas" done by the little Hershey's, mm-hmm. and apparently they changed it a little bit this year, and people are very upset about it. What did they change it to, Gabriel? It, it was like a half a jingle followed by some little girl snatching the kisses and putting them onto some cookies to bake in the oven. That's so sweet. What's wrong <laughs> with that? People said oh they couldn't God. handle uh, losing their little, jingle. Little jingle change there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. well, anyways, that was your little. Yeah. Hope your, everybody uh, is doing well and your, had a wonderful Yeah, your coffee. That was your little coffee talk chat thank you of the morning there i'm in the middle <laughs> of wishing people well gabriel i heard that yes, yeah, yes. so wishing you well and uh, hope you had a great thanksgiving stayed safe and everybody is healthy yes because of course. uh the covid thing keeps growing and we might have a vaccination coming the vid <laughs> beg your pardon the vid the vid the covid oh vid I was watching. Sorry, I was watching a comedy special. Yeah, I have no called, idea what they he's called it. About. They called it the vid, and it was oh. really funny, folks. Uh, I even no, though it's not funny, the COVID, folks. But. Maybe you can keep up with him, but sometimes I just can't. I'm just trying to have a little fun to All wake right. up. Wake up on the morning here with everybody. Okay, well, we've got a great show for you. Diving into some financial topics here. So I think, uh, Dad, on our last topic here, when we before the Thanksgiving holiday break, we talked about long-term care options, and we were going to dive into right, that. In detail. Right. Right. And yep. so that's definitely what we're going to focus on today is different long-term care options. What are available to you? Okay, but we've got some other great topics, too. We're going to talk about an interesting one here. Uh, what happens when only one spouse retires? Mm. <laughs> okay, and, and believe it or not, we encounter this all the time when we meet with couples here at SGL Financial. So uh, the reason uh, I laughed is that <laughs> that's, those are always interesting situations they are they are so we're going to dive into detail there and then we've got a listener question here today about uh, Roth IRA conversions and actually we got a few more emails in over the uh, holiday break here but uh, we typically do plan ahead a little bit for our show so uh, I'll talk a little bit more about some of those other questions that we'll answer on our next show a little bit later on okay so let's go ahead and dive on in here long-term care options Oh, what, I thought we were going to talk about when one spouse. We're well, going to that, do that first? That was second. We'll okay. do that one second. Okay. Uh, so long-term care options, Dad. You want to just set the stage here, set the table, so to speak, uh, with a Thanksgiving metaphor. Ooh, uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> so, folks. Set the table for us here. What is, what is long-term care? What are the options that are available? And uh, then let's dive all right, into it. First, let's them. define long-term care. So long-term care generally is thought of as when someone goes into a nursing home facility. But, you know, that's not the only time you need care over a long term. You might be in your home. In fact, it's preferable to stay in your home and not go to a facility because most of you have been to facilities, maybe 
with parents or friends, then you know they're not the greatest places to be in. Mm. So you want to stay at home. So anytime you have a long-term health issue and you need long-term care, whether it's at home or it's in a support facility or a long-term care facility, uh, that's when you might want to have insurance to pay for that because it's very expensive. In fact, Gabriel, uh, on the webinar last night that we did, uh, you did a quote that said uh, a couple 65 years old will pay, I think it was 350 some odd thousand dollars in health care expenses. Between, <laughs> that doesn't, yeah, between 65 and 90. Between 60. That doesn't include long-term does care. Does not include, yes. Now, the average stay for a long-term care episode, this is in a facility. First of all, you have, if you're 65 today and married, one of you has a 50% chance of actually going into facility. And the average stay is three and a half years at 100 grand a year. That's another $350,000. So your health care expenses are three fifty. dollars If you, God forbid, you have a long-term care episode, it's another three fifty. dollars That's $700,000 that's got to get covered from someplace. And that's why people are interested in long-term care. Insurance. Insurance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and long-term care itself because it's a big problem. Well, right. I mean, so the— I just want to know one thing. Yes. Was that a good turkey or just an okay turkey? The turkey. way I set the table. Tur oh, yeah. So that was an excellent table setting. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was fabulous. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah. So, so folks, it's expensive. Long-term care, the, getting uh, you know, support and, or going into a facility is expensive. And so the idea of having insurance is very important if you think it might happen to you and you may not have enough money to pay for it out of pocket. So just like any insurance— coverage, right? If you ask yourself, should I buy long-term care insurance? It's really a question of how much risk that you're willing to absorb. Because if you don't buy insurance, one of two options will happen. A, you'll either need uh, to go into a long-term care facility or have to have support at home, and then you'll have to pay for it out of pocket. Or B, uh, you'll roll the dice and you won't need it. It's the same question, Gabriel. Should I buy flood insurance on my home? Should I buy homeowner? Should I buy an umbrella? Auto insurance? I mean, you're required yeah, you're to You're required auto. to but buy But if you weren't required, the would question you is, would you buy auto insurance? Should I insure even my investments in the stock market? I try and insure those by having bonds. Mm -hmm. You know, so insurance is a matter of risk-reward. How much risk are you willing to take? Or if you buy it, what's the reward that you're going to get out of it? Right. Yeah, and so I think there's, there's a few different angles we can uh, tackle this. Here, guys. And the first one is, uh, let's assume that you are interested in having some sort of coverage. We're going to chat about what those different options are. Uh, on the other hand, if you're looking to roll the dice, uh, here's what I would recommend. Okay, so that's called self-insuring. So what that says is, all right, you've got, let's say, $100,000 today. You're trying to decide, should I buy a long-term care insurance policy or should I just uh, invest this money and uh, save it and then use it in case I need long-term care? So let's explore that option, that, that self-insuring option. So let's say you take that $100,000 and you put it in a side account, technically, in theory, just for if you need it mm -hmm. for long-term care. So now you invest that and grow that. Let's say you're 65 and typically you might need long-term care insurance. For simplicity, let's say between 80 and 85. Mm -hmm. So you've got 15 years there to grow that money. And let's just say you do a good job and it grows to $250,000. Right. 
That's not bad. You've got that saved up. So you go into a nursing home at that point in time. Well, if you're if the average stay is uh, costs you one hundred and twenty five thousand a year, and you stay there for two years, you're covered. You're good, right? You've got your two fifty. You saved for it. On the other hand, if it ends up being the risk there is if what if it's a three or four or five year stay, right? And you only have two hundred fifty thousand dollars saved at mm -hmm. that point in time. Mm -hmm. That's really where you're risking. Uh, not having that insurance coverage is on those longer stays. Absolutely. And things like Alzheimer's, oh uh, my. dementia. Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's <laughs> units are 125, 135. And the average stay here. is uh, significantly longer, yeah, too. You could, I mean, that could be a 10 year stay. Yeah. So, so these are big numbers if you're going to self insure. Um, and, you know, Gabriel, the real question is, is do I have enough to cover, first of all, you know, maybe you don't have that kind of money. And the say, even if even if you do, let's say you have you know a few million dollars or a five million dollars, you know, do you want to give that money to a nursing home or a, a care facility or to a healthcare worker, whereas you could give it to your kids? Right. Right. So one of the reasons people buy long-term care insurance or an alternative is to preserve their assets to go to their kids. Right. So we're we're looking at uh, if you have a bad uh, care need or a long term care need and, and that's going to cost you a lot more than it would uh, otherwise if you had insurance that's where that insurance becomes such a valuable and attractive idea and yeah. then it's a question of what's the right kind of insurance what should I purchase if I like that idea but again you're trying to protect yourself from those catastrophic events I could wipe out all your assets if they occur yeah and just to add one more thing on to your illustration you know I say okay I've got an extra hundred grand I invested I say you know I'm going to use this for my long-term care 15 years I should have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and then you have a stroke four years later and now you're in a facility or you need support and that money hasn't grown right to there's, there's the earlier 000. risk correct that's a very good point and so there's, there's, you know, guys, we're in the risk mitigation business, really, as financial planners. I mean, I think in general, uh, we encourage people to have insurance across all the things you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, I mean, we obviously auto insurance. You and have umbrellas to have and umbrellas. We recommend in case somebody gets hurt or injured at your property. Uh, homeowners insurance, of course, is important, right? So these insurance coverages, what they really provide you is peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think for most people, that's worth the the a little extra premium that you might have to pay, even if you don't end up needing it. And of course, on top of that, anybody that's ever needed or filed an insurance claim mm -hmm. is very happy that they had the insurance coverage. That's right. Okay, I have yet to hear somebody <laughs> say, you know, I'm so sorry I bought this. I'm going to give the money back that the insurance right. company. Yeah, my neighbor. My neighbor just had his roof replaced. Or uh, uh, my, my <laughs> husband died, and I'm so sad. I'm getting five hundred thousand dollars for that. Well, right. So no, nobody t gives the. I mean, of course, we don't want bad things to happen, but nobody right. turns around and gives the life insurance uh, death benefit. Well, back. The, the fact is, we don't want thing bad things to happen, Gabriel. But you know, bad things happen. Yeah. Which is why you have insurance. Yep. Yep. Okay. So uh, maybe we've convinced you to go down the insurance route. Maybe not. Or to look at it. Or to at least look at it. So let's let's now dive into that end of the pool and see what kind of options we've got. I don't know if you're swimming right now, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm swimming. Walk to the other end of the path. What's another? <laughs> All right. Let's let's look at the other option, huh? Shall okay. We? Let's dive into the pool. So you've got two the ice bucket, the ice challenge. You've got traditional Michigan. insurance. Yep. 
long-term care insurance. Folks, that's where you buy insurance. You pay a premium every year. If you never use the insurance, Gabriel, do you get your premium back? No. No. The answer is no. No. So with traditional insurance, there are two risks. One is you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And that's a very common type of insurance. I mean, you look at all the ones we were talking about. You pay a generally you pay a premium, like a term life policy. You pay a premium, and if you don't pass away, uh, you don't get your money back. Exactly. Just expires. And then there's like a stock option that expires too. Um, Then the other risk is that will the insurance company raise your rates? Mm. Yes. Now, there are some policies, very few, which will guarantee the rate. Yep. Very expensive. And if you don't buy a traditional insurance coverage that doesn't guarantee the premium, Five years later, 10 years later, well, just my client, we just, right, we just got a note from a client, Joe, that whose premium went up like 30% and said, hey, my premium just went up 30%. Is it willing to pay it? Now, I've had, I've had clients with 60, 70% premium Well, and, and I'm not going to, I don't condone that, uh, that that practice, and I really never recommend buying a policy where, where that can occur. Because, you know, insurance companies, I mean, they're in it to make money, of course, and, and obviously um, some are better than others. But when they raise that rate, you, you kind of feel stuck. Yeah. Like you put all this money in so far, and all of a sudden, you know, if you don't pay the higher premium, you're going to just throw away all the money you spent on the coverage. Yeah, what it really is, Gabriel, is you're paying for the company's mistake. In other words, they made a mistake on estimating the cost of this, and now they're saying, well, we're not going to pay for that. We're going to make you pay for that. Yeah. And that's, quite, that's very unfair. Yeah. And so, so folks, obviously, you, you kind of heard our uh, kind of between the lines there, our opinion on traditional long-term care policies, uh, especially if you've got a policy where the premium can increase. I'm not a big fan of those. And they've really, really reduced in popularity in recent years. If you looked at a bar graph of this, it's, it's almost a straight – uh, down arrow, you know, uh, down to the right, you know, just in terms of popularity. Yeah, and uh, and one of the reasons for that, Gabriel, as you well know, is that there are alternatives to that. Yeah, yeah, which are raising in popularity. Which are raising in popularity. <laughs> and really what we focus on, when we say long-term care insurance coverage, almost always we're looking at one of what you're calling an alternative or what we call a hybrid uh, long-term care and life insurance policy. Right, so this, folks, is a life insurance policy that you purchase. Um, now, here's what happens. You buy the life insurance. If you never use it and pass away, so let's say you put 100 grand in, mm-hmm. you never use it, you pass away, your estate gets 100 grand back, yes. give or take. Yep. Pretty close. Now, but now let's say, oh, I need some home health care or I need, um, I'm going to assisted living. I need, I need that life insurance, the death benefit on that life insurance is multiplied maybe two, three, four times, and that becomes long-term care coverage. Yeah, yeah. And that can be, depending on how much you put in, it could be very similar to a long-term care insurance policy, except it's coming through a different format. Yeah, and I think you, again, hit the key point, and if you don't end up using it, you get you get pretty much everything you put in back, depending on the exact policy you purchase. Some is a tiny bit less. You know, you might put in 100 and have a $90,000 death benefit. Uh, Some might even be higher. But that's the idea is if you're looking for coverage, these provide very good coverage uh, levels, okay, typically as good or sometimes even higher than traditional long-term care. Mm -hmm. And you get this 
um, concept of if you don't need it or use it, you get the majority of your money back. That's now, exactly. downsides here, folks, everything you know, has pros and cons. Obviously, with any insurance, if you don't end up using long-term care um, coverage or payments, in theory, you would have been better off not having bought the policy, right? You would have more money than the $100,000 death benefit, okay? That 100000 would grow, and you would have more money to right. pass. But on the other hand, you know, so as we covered, self-insuring is very, very risky, okay? And as with any insurance, about weighing those pros and cons. Yeah, you know, life, uh, we don't know what life is going to bring us. Yeah. And all insurances are to help us with the unknown. It says, yeah. look, we don't know. So let's protect ourselves against the unknown. Yeah. So let me let me summarize because I want to make sure we get to our next topic. K- key points here. Uh, self-insuring I- is okay if an option as long as you earmark money and you invest it wisely and you save it for that need, but it's also very, very risky. You've got an unlimited loss uh, potential there if you have a need for long-term care. Traditional long-term care, the other option, very expensive, rising premiums, uh, don't get your money back. Middle ground, hybrid life insurance policy with long-term care benefits, most popular option these days. Uh, but you have to qualify, folks, for life insurance. So the longer you wait, the riskier it is that you will get declined. We've had clients been declined recently. Uh, so if you think you want this coverage, it behooves you to uh, look into it earlier than later to uh, plan ahead. Yeah, I would add, I, w- I would actually say it more uh, strongly or than behooves. Behooves. <laughs> behooves is behooves, pretty no. strong. <laughs> if you're considering buying life insurance or long-term care insurance through life insurance, folks, you don't want to wait because you want to go today, go and buy it. We don't. do we, we do a lot of life insurance policies here, guys, yeah. and uh, I would say uh, everybody we do the application for decides they want it. It's why we do the application. Uh, 15, 20% of them, by the time they apply, it's too late. They get declined. Yeah, um, they get declined. They get, oh, they yep. go to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, we discovered a little lump over there. Or your, your liver your, uh, levels your are raised. Your blood sugar is up, and, and it's over. You know? yep. So when you are considering life insurance for any reason, go and buy it right now while you're healthy because tomorrow is another day, yep. and we don't know what's going to happen. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Uh, so it behooves you. Behoove. To do th- it behooves <laughs> you to go and do that. Our, was, that's our, I guess our word for the day is uh, behoove. <laughs> so that's a fun word to say. It is. Uh, okay. Let's move on, folks. And uh, hopefully you got your fill there of a long-term care. And that was all inspired by our listener question from uh, two weeks ago. So yes. thank you. All right. Uh, moving on here. This one is uh, uh, kind of our uh, secondary topic for today. But when only one spouse retires interesting scenario and very common all right and so let me uh, set the table once again for you here we've got uh, let's say hypothetical john and uh, jane and uh, john is uh, 65 and jane is a uh, younger 61 okay so four years apart not too bad Uh, john has been uh, diligently working his whole life uh, hits 65 and uh, says uh, jane honey uh, i am retiring (laughs) And and Jane looks at John and says, well, uh, I love my job and I'm going to continue to work. Mm. What uh, challenges, both financially and non-financially, does this pose, Dad? (laughs) Well, first of all, John celebrates that his wife continues to work. (laughs) Party time. (laughs) He says, yeah, go out and and do it. (laughs) Well, because this doesn't happen a lot. I mean, I would say 25, 30% of the time, 
we have clients that have alternate retirement dates. I'd say the majority of the time people do try to retire together. It but might we're not, be within but we're not talking two. About it might that. be in a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. But, but even in a year or two, here's what here's the biggest challenge is that one person is at home, the other person is working. And the person at home, it's like unless you're very independent and self knowledge and you love being alone, is gonna be lonely because the other person so I have clients at home and uh, you know, and they're cleaning house and they're volunteering and you know, their spouses come home, they have dinner ready, whether yeah. it's a husband or the wife, it doesn't matter. And it's it's like my partner isn't here to share this. Now, on the other side of it, some couples don't <laughs> want their partner there. It's like, you know, hallelujah, right? Yeah, right. I got <laughs> so, some alone time. Well, it's funny. This was inspired by a uh, Kiplinger article I, f I found. And uh, there's an ad as you're reading through the article. Uh, How to be happy, not bored in retirement, starting today. <laughs> so right. they know what's going on on this article. Because part of the idea is you mentioned it. If, uh, if you're somebody that likes to be around other people, or, your, or especially your spouse, you love doing stuff together, traveling, participating, shared activities, um, watching the shows together, whatever, you might be surprised that uh, when you're home by yourself, especially the men, because typically they've worked their whole lives, mm -hmm. didn't stay home with kids or anything like that, typically again, uh, you might find, wow, I'm pretty bored here. Mm -hmm. And this article has an interesting comment just about – you know, men in particular uh, have a different set of social networks often than women. A smaller, smaller, for sure. okay, and uh, less likely to have uh, guys to just hang around with, or uh, you know. So a lot of times, when men retire, they want to hang out with their wife, and so when when she continues to work full time, um, that is very psychologically uh, hard to deal with um, sometimes in retirement. Yeah, I think uh, definitely in my experience, I don't know if this is true universally, Gabriel, but uh, men have a harder time when their wives are working and they're not. Yeah. Rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And and so there's obviously, you know, not set answers here. Uh, sometimes, like you said, sometimes people are very happy about that. That's know? right, yeah. <laughs> I get to, you know, whittle on my uh, wood boat all day long or whatever it is, and you're, you know, very, very happy to do that by yourself. Uh, but just something to keep in mind. Now, on the financial side, one of the biggest reasons we see this disparity in work, uh, there's there's really, usually it comes down to Medicare and health care. Mm -hmm. Okay, that younger spouse, if they're 61 in this example we just used, uh, she's four years away from being able to qualify for Medicare. And so where do you get that health insurance coverage becomes one of the biggest questions on people's minds if you're trying to retire early at that same time, you know, same age, okay, 65, 61, you both retire. Where do you get health care for that younger spouse? Big, big question. I just had a couple retire early. They both retired at 60. They were pretty close to the same age. And they agreed, let's, hey, let's, we both want to get out. Let's just get out and retire. And what, okay, now, now where are you going to get your health care from? So that's a $24,000 a year bill. That's, when you, that's when you just hear that, that silent pause. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where are we going to get our health care from? That's a good from? question. I hadn't thought about that one. Yeah, so they did have a discussion. Well, maybe one of us should work. But they, they had, you know, they could afford it, so they decided to bite the bullet. But that's a $100,000 bullet to retire early. So you're absolutely right there. So there's the emotional uh, factor. Uh, and men see it differently than women. Women see it differently than men. Nobody's right or wrong. 
but it's just a very different experience uh, emotionally when one partner is working and the other isn't. Yeah. And then there's the question of where do I, you know, just the numbers question, where do I get my health insurance from? If we both retire early, yeah, and and to be fair, again on the financial end, I've seen many scenarios where one spouse working for another five or six years, whether she feels like or he feels like they have to or they need to financially, but it obviously is a big boost to um, to your overall finances. Let's say the older spouse starts Social Security, um, and between his Social Security or her Social Security and the other spouse's salary, they're covering all their expenses. Okay, and sometimes that can be a really nice uh, financial bridge to both parties retiring full time. If, if for example, one of the spouses likes to work, is okay working a little bit longer. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that it's such a different world today than it was like 15 years ago. Hmm. Because 15 years ago, if one one spouse, let's say the guy retires, the woman's working, you know, the guy would kick back and drink beer and volunteer and do a. I have a guy who just retired. He just found another job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he says, so I said, so how, how do you like retired life? He says, it's great. I'm working. <laughs> so he's <laughs> so not retired anymore. Yeah. You know, that's a whole, uh, a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Uh, uh, totally random fact that I was just, I think it's a fact. I didn't actually verify it, but I was, I f- discovered it as I was looking up articles and topics for the show. Uh, it said that in China, I believe it's China, they're uh, talking about pushing back the retirement ages uh, official retirement ages from the government because right now it is 60 and 55, 60 for men and 55 for And you're for mandated. Man, yeah, so, uh, you I, know, that's a, you kinda know. Kind of like that. That's not too bad. <laughs> Sounds not too bad. All right, so let's get to our uh, final topic here. This is our listener question, and uh, thank you, folks. If you've got questions, let me just pause here. Questions on long-term care, okay, long-term care insurance, um, planning for if a spouse retires before you health health insurance coverage, any of the things we've talked about here, give us a holler at 847-499-3330. Talk to our uh, awesome receptionist and office manager, Sarah E, and schedule a time just to call to uh, chat with uh, Steve and I here. Yeah, I'd just like to point out, Gabriel, that folks, uh, we are a literal one-stop shop. So, you know, if you if you need Medicare supplements or interim health insurance, we have the capacity. We have the team here. We do to, it. To, we do it here for you. We don't send you to different places. It's all here in one location, and a lot of our clients, Gabriel, really love that. Come into the store. <laughs> get, get everything you need. Uh, but that's very true. Okay, so question here. We've got a couple minutes here to answer this question. Mark, Mark, I know you're from Schaumburg, Mark, and uh, you asked us, Gabe, Steve, is it a bad idea? Uh, to do a Roth conversion, because I know you've been talking about some tax planning, uh, if I have a high income. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. Uh, so y- that's a good question, and uh, I think it depends on the key word there is high income. Uh, how high is would be the question I would ask. Yeah, first you have yeah. to know what tax bracket are you yeah. in, Mark. So, so, the, so going back to it, we probably covered this when we talked about Roth conversions. But the general idea is if you can convert certain IRA money to a Roth today, pay the taxes at a certain rate, let's just say uh, 22%, and know that uh, it's a high likelihood that in the future that same money, let's say, would come out at uh, 28%. Or 35%. Or 35 or 37%. Mm. You know by locking in at today at 22%, that's going to be cheaper than in the future at uh, 37%. That becomes an advantageous decision. Yeah. But what if today 
What if today, by doing a Roth conversion, that that would be at a higher rate of 37%? Is it still a good idea? So when you ask, uh, when I have a higher income, let's just assume it's up in the you know, 28%, 35%, 37%, uh, whatever that rate is, is it still a good idea? Yeah, and the answer to that, I'm sorry, Mark, but the answer to that is maybe. <laughs> it may be. Just because you're in a higher tax bracket doesn't mean that it's a bad idea to convert to a Roth. The first question is, is uh, you know, are you filling up your tax bracket? Uh, you know, is there room in the tax bracket to convert anything? And the second is, when is your income going to go down? Yeah. You know, if, if you're a high income today, like we had, I had a client in uh, one, three weeks ago, uh, they have a high income year this year. And we're talking, well, let's wait until next year when you don't have all of that income and then we'll, we'll wait a year to convert. Yeah. So when is there a time when your income is going to go down and how many years do we have to wait to do that? Uh, it's, it, you know, if taxes, here's the deal. If taxes go up in the future, um, even if you're paying a little higher today that you're in a, ta in a higher tax bracket, there is an argument that says it's still a good idea. Yeah, and it, that's a very tricky one. It's obviously a, a very easy discussion when you're in a lower tax bracket. It's almost a certain thing. When you're in a higher tax bracket today, it uh, is a little less certain. And uh, there, is a, there is a possibility that you could uh, convert and uh, pay a higher bracket today. And then later on, you'd you know, be in the same bracket. So you'd effectively be uh, break even on that decision. Uh, but... You know, it's hard. It's hard. It really depends on those factors that you mentioned, Dad, what, what the income situation looks like down the road. Yeah, and then there's the question, you know, does that added income from the conversion uh, push your IRMA, you know, your Medi Medicare B yes, and, yes. Uh, if you, if you and have, D yeah, into the next level and where you're paying 140 maybe you're paying $300 a month now, it pushes you to 447 or something like that. Yeah, so it depends if you're working, retired on Medicare, <laughs> too, too many moving parts. But to yeah. answer your question, Mark, and there's a good question, uh, I would probably say maybe. <laughs> Probably sounds, say maybe. Sounds familiar. <laughs> um, but but generally, I'd say most of the higher income earners we see don't do Roth conversions. I'll just say that just because of um, it's, it's the It's too expensive. But come on in. Let's review the numbers and uh, crunch them because yeah. that's really where it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, Mark and everyone else, if you'd like to know whether it makes sense or not, it's come on in. It's crunch time. It's crunch time. Let's run the numbers <laughs> and let's do it right away if you're looking this year yeah. because that's got to get done almost Yeah, uh, typically tomorrow. in the next uh, 20 days. Exactly. December 20th, 18th, 20th depends on the custodian is the deadline for those conversions. So, so yeah, give us a holler, guys, 847-499-3330, or go to our website, SGL Financial, and go to our contact form to submit your questions. Keep the questions coming. And so I know next week we are going to cover the uh, – one of the questions came in over the holidays here is about strong dollar versus weak dollar and uh, what that means. Oh, my. Okay, and, <laughs> and, Dad, I know you're, you're an economist, uh, yep. you're, you're, so this will be right in your wheelhouse – uh, but we're going to talk about that. What does that mean when you're investing? Uh, how does that impact your planning? So that was a question from Jeff. So right. we're going to cover can, that next I week. I can prepare myself for you, Jeff. I will. <laughs> so And everybody else. So, folks, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Uh, thanks for tuning in and joining us. We really appreciate it. We value the great comments and feedback that you send our way. It gives us, again, the uh, juice to keep on uh, uh, making these shows as best we can. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you on the next one. Yes, we'll stay safe, everybody. Take stay care. well. Yep. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. 
For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com and be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.